So, welcome to, uh, I almost say, saying uh, a different day, but this is Let Me Say This. This is our special uh, COVID-19 edition, and so I have a very good friend of mine here, so I call this, the subtitle for this uh, particular podcast is called The Doctors, because everybody on here is going to be a doctor of some kind. So, I have Dr. and Crea, Dr. Cree Johnson, Trimble Johnson on the phone. Cree, you there? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing because this was so short notice. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, so, you know, uh, you are a doctor, like you're a real bona fide doctor. And, uh, you know, people have had questions about, you know, what's going on with the coronavirus and how can we t- keep ourselves protected. Um, you know, when it first came out, they were like, well, you know, this is something new we never heard of. Then somebody decided to read the, the side of a lifestyle can, like, oh, the coronavirus been been around. So tell us the difference mm-hmm. between this coronavirus and the other coronaviruses that we've had. Gotcha. So we've had coronavirus uh, for several years. Usually coronavirus affects little kids, you know, school-age kids. Your kids are starting to find their immune system. They come home. They get a little fever. They got cold. They're back up and at it, you know, again, within a couple of days. You don't even realize that maybe I need to take my kids to the doctor because they may have coronavirus. It comes and goes that fast. Right. But this coronavirus, COVID-19, is a mutated form of those viruses that the little kids have been getting for decades. So it's mutated. It's like a virus on steroids, and it's wreaking havoc all over the nation. Let, let me ask you this. Um it, you said it's a mutated version. Like, do we have any common names for any of those older versions of the, of the coronavirus that kids have? Because I know that MERS and SARS were, were derivatives of the coronavirus. The ones that you said the kids normally get, do, do we have any common names for those? Or would that just be like the common no, cold? I think they just would be like the common cold. Because these aren't things that we even really think think twice of. We, right. we haven't been routinely testing. Because you say, oh, your kid is a kid. They, oh, they have a fever, they have a rash, they feel bad, they may have had a little GI, that's a virus. You just kind of lump them all in a group of viruses. So you have like a whole hunk of viruses, then you have the flu virus. You know, you just have some viruses that stand out and make their debut because <laughs> more studies, you know, more studies have been done on those. But usually it's a kid, kid virus, but as we know, December, it may, I, I really wonder if it was there before December, or if it just had made big enough wave in December in China, and from there it's been on and popping. So, so let me say. So, this is uh, let, let me say this, God. That's the name of this podcast. But, but this is something that I was thinking because I was doing some reading, and they were saying that it could have been here as early as September, or October, or even earlier. And the problem is, and this is this goes back to. All of our public officials telling us, you know, Alabama didn't have any cases or West Virginia didn't have any cases. There have been cases of people having flu-like symptoms and dying for like the last six months or so. And when they tested them for the flu, they tested negative because they only tested them for the flu. It's very plausible. It's very plausible that they could have had the coronavirus. And since we didn't test it from for it, they just said, well, they died from flu-like symptoms. Exactly. That's true. And I, I'm in a private Facebook group, and this is some of the theories that we kind of have had. Like, I've had, I had patients coming in, and you're like, okay, man, it's not the flu. 
is not in everything's coming back looking okay right you should be feeling better i don't have a reason as to why you're not better you throw antibiotics at them and they're still not better with the antibiotics and then finally they had this lingering cough for you know for a week or two after that and then slowly but surely they started to feel better yes it could have been coronavirus the whole time and now it is you know has just now got to be to the purpose of oh my god it's out there and it's really killing more people than just a few so it's made it you know it's the spotlight is on it yeah that's that's that you know the other thing about this virus that sets it apart from other viruses the 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 how um how um what do they call it um Dang it. Um, the the uh, the the transmission time though, yeah. the time before yeah so it is um the um incubation time is so long so it takes, and how contagious it, it have, is like, like, uh, yes. uh, easily and you don't even know yeah yeah a, a, mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. easy contagion plus a long incubation time is just a horrible disaster it's tell a people horrible look, thing. tell people like what so, that mix looks like so that mix looks like I could be sick and I could have the virus. And still be out there working, seeing patients, hanging out, going out to dinners, going to functions, and not even know that I am shedding the virus. I may have a little sneeze, I may have a little sniffle, or I may not even have that at all. That's the hard part is, is that a lot of people may have it in their carriers. They carry the virus and they don't have any symptoms, which is why they're pushing for us to do social distancing because so many people, we don't know how many people that are carriers or just have the um the virus walking around with the virus and they feel fine. So but it only is up until two days later after you've been been um contracted the illness or five days or even up to fourteen days, you could be walking around during your normal life. Can you imagine Tony trying to figure out where you went fourteen days ago and left? <laughs> right. <I don't laughs> you know, know what I'm saying? And having to try right trying to trying to say, Oh my gosh, I need to I was in this state, I was in that state, I was in this meeting or that meeting. Because we have to report if we have like a person under investigation. Right. We're supposed to report that to our um to our department. So just I think of it like when, you know, a person gets an S T D or something like that, you have to you have to notify the health department. The health department is supposed to notify that person and then you're in charge of saying, Well, I was with all these people. Right, but right. 14 days is a long time to be able to try and account for Amen. every little person that you've been, right, that you've been around, that you've been with. So that's the hard part. So you can't go back and say, uh, for 14 days, I need to notify all these people so then people fall through the cracks. Right, right. Let and, me, you know, it's just, it's just hard. Let me ask you this. So um, you, so people can, so there was a uh, a thought early on that people mm-hmm. who had the virus were not contagious until they showed symptoms. Is that not now true? Not true. I don't think that's the case. I think that I think that they could have had the virus for days before because the virus is quiet, is doing its thing, and then all of a sudden you could have been sick for days before. And I think that you could have been spreading the virus for days and had no clue. Yeah, which, right. So which being would asymptomatic because it doesn't mean a thing. Right. <laughs> doesn't mean a thing. Right, right, right. That's that makes that makes this even scarier, you know, because yeah, even scarier. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. So let me ask you this. So, so what would you tell people who think they may have been in contact or who think they may have? Like literally last night, some friends of mine <laughs> invited me over to uh, play cards. It was just gonna be like maybe four mm-hmm. or five of us, and. 
I just got all weirded out. And when I get weirded out, I have what I call stress-induced narcolepsy. I know that is not a thing, but when I get really... No, it's your thing. But when I get really, really stressed (laughs) out, I go to sleep. So I was was really thinking about, you know, Tony, you're in the public. You see people all day, every day. What if you have the virus and you're just not being symptomatic? Like, like, right. like, what, what does that look like? What, like, what do you do once you become symptomatic? You know, being HIV positive, I already have a somewhat mm-hmm. compromised immune system. You know, I don't right, know what right. that's going to look like, you know, if I were to contract this virus. So literally, I just stress myself out to death until I just think about it. Right. So what would you get? What advice would you give people just know, at the average person about what they should be doing right now? So first of all, first thing first is be mindful and be considerate. Like everybody, I'm happy that you thought about what if it was you, you know, that could give it to somebody else. But what if somebody else sitting there that was playing cards could give it to you? I think that we live, we live in a society where people are so self-indulged, so selfish, so microwave everything that this is like foreign to all of us. So first thing first is I may not be afraid of getting it. Um, because I don't believe in this. I think it's a conspiracy. People got all these thoughts. But what about grandmamas? What about, you know, the immune compromise? What about people that have illnesses that you don't even know the people that have diabetes and heart right, disease? Right. People aren't walking around with signs on their shirt saying, I have this illness. I have that illness. Stay away. So we have to be mindful first and foremost to stay in our own session. Stay at home if at all possible. Go to work. Stay your distance at work if you have to work. And then go back home, strip out your clothes, take a bath, and then sit there. And that, you know, I've had people say, well, I'm not going to live in fear. This isn't about living in fear. This is about trying to sustain something that we've never been in contact with before, which I think is scary because usually you can just say, oh, this drug treats it, that drug drug treats it. You know, there's some things that's out there that may be promising, but I've also heard that People have tried those kind of drugs, and two days later, the virus attacked their heart, and they were cardiac arrest and dead. So right. it's like it's it's not been long enough for us to know exactly what the course should be. So if you sick, if you feel like okay, I have a fever greater than one hundred point four, I have some diarrhea because diarrhea can be one of the first symptoms that you have. You oh, hadn't wow. heard a lot of talk about not, that. Not yes, at all. So diarrhea is a, right. Diarrhea is a symptom. Um, if you have that, if you start coughing, you have shortness of breath, and you have those autoimmune disease like lupus, you're, you know, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, history of a cancer, history of diabetes, COPD, all of those, that, that puts you at risk. If you have any of that, plus the symptoms I'm talking about, and they're mild, they're not enough that you would like in regular daytime, you'd be like, okay, this is a regular life. I would just wait this out, right. treat your body just as the same. Wait it out if you start to feel sick and you just have mild symptoms. If you have moderate symptoms, you can wait that out again too. Staying hydrated at home, making sure you're washing your hands a lot, making sure you hydrate, 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 hydrate. And then if you're severe enough, those are the people that they want to reserve the ER for. So call your doctor and say, hey, I feel bad. I feel like this or I feel like that. We do have the COVID-19 telemedicine uh, website. If the, if your doctor say they're closed and they're not taking calls, they're too overwhelmed. You can call us and I'll walk you through the symptoms and say, "Hey, okay, this doesn't sound like that. This does sound like that." And you need to just start with self quarantine, staying hydrated. You can check your fever twice a day. 
and see if you actually have a temp just on PC if you're trying to be that cautious. Right. But the big thing is to stay at home. Drink your drink your water, stay at home, and mind your business. Let me ask you this. So 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 as as I said before, so you you are a doctor. So what about people who have I'll give you a case in point. So I'm, this is this is my own personal HIPAA violation. So like I'm okay. HIV positive and Korea is my doctor. And we mm-hmm. uh, we had a visit a couple of weeks ago, and I was supposed to come back last week to do my follow-up last, and w- w- life got crazy, so I couldn't. So, like, people who have, mm-hmm. like, and this is not life-threatening because I'm very well-maintained, but, like, people who have mm-hmm. issues that, okay, like, I need to get my A1C re- checked again. I think it's good because I lost some weight, but I want to see those numbers just All to right. make sure. But, like, mm-hmm. people with non-life-threatening issues just trying to maintain their bodies, like, what advice do you give people for that right now? Because, you know, you might have a toothache. You may have a, a, a pain in your in your arm that you want to get seen about, but nobody's going to see you because we don't know what's going on with this virus. Exactly. I think my big thing is is making sure you're one aware of what your doctor's policy is before you have a problem. So know what it is. Say I'm not trying to have a problem. I'm not trying to fit. You know, a lot of doctors may not have announced that they you can you know have a phone visit. You know, now uh, the president has uh, loosened up the range as far as telemedicine, so right. you can call your doctor. Y'all can have a phone call, and maybe you can just get reassured. As far as labs, like my dad, my dad's leukemia, he's got mild leukemia. But I was like, yeah, I don't care that they said go get your labs next week. You can wait until the storm kind of passes. Make sure you're keeping a routine as far as your diet. If you were were exercising, hey, YouTube is out. Everybody's giving away something free at this point to try and keep you, you know, um, to keep you active at home. Use your YouTube, stay active, exercise, use your work summit and not your home summit. I was like, man, my work summit, usually I can, I'm not hungry by this time. I'm like, I need to eat, I mean, all day long. So trying to manage your, you know, your hunger and your, and we're probably stress eating really kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're probably doing more stress eating than anything. So making sure that you say, hey, keep your family on the schedule, keep your kids on the schedule. And like, we're going to try and stick to this and Stay at home. If you feel sick, call your provider. Talk to them about your symptoms. They'll either reassure you. They'll tell you what you can take based on your your medical history. But the biggest thing is to stay at home as long as you don't have severe symptoms. Right, right. Oh, man, that's some good advice. So I guess I'll just be staying at home. (laughs) Stay at home. (laughs) And y'all can play cards virtually. (laughs) I did find a virtual bid wheels game. I'm trying to see how I can invite friends to play it. So that might be good too. (laughs) That would be great. Okay. So you got to, hey, definitely time costs costs the desperate um, measure. So you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, definitely. Listen, thank you so much for this time, Cree. Um, Hopefully we'll get yeah, out of this. Thanks for soon. having me. Yeah, anytime, anytime. We, we we look. You might be doing this at least once a week, giving people updates because you know we we got to do okay, something. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I'm that. cool with that. Yeah, and re- thank you for having me. And remember, if they need to go. If they want to just talk about their symptoms and they're not sure what's going on, they could go to the COVID nineteen telemed website and schedule a visit with me. I call them on the phone, twenty five dollars to just kind of reassure people, and I'm here for them if they need me. Okay, cool beans, cool beans. Well, thank you a lot, Cree, and um, I guess we'll go to our our next break. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Mm, Bye-bye. 
Do you have an active sex life? PrEP is a once-a-day pill that prevents HIV and is now available at the Livingwell PrEP Clinic on the south side of the hub. PrEP is safe for men and women who have active sex lives and want to decrease their chances of contracting HIV. For more information about PrEP and the Livingwell PrEP Clinic, call 205-324-9822 or go to www.gcdm.com and click on appointments. Or if you just need to get tested, call us. So welcome back to the Let Me Say This. So uh, today I have on the line with me because we're practicing physical distancing. I don't like social distancing because we still need to be social, but physical distancing is what we're actually doing. But I have my very, very good friend and colleague, Dr. Michael Mugavera on the line. Mike, you there? I'm here. All right, so we call him Mugs, so y'all may hear me calling Mugs doing things. So, so before we get started, could you explain to my audience who you are and what you do? Yeah, so thanks, Tony. I'm Mike Mugavero. I'm uh, Mug, an infectious diseases doctor working at the University, University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, I'm a HIV medical care provider at the UAB 1917 clinic and spend the majority of my time doing research um, in the public health space and clinical space, looking towards uh, approaches with community partners and public health partners and clinical partners to best address the needs of persons living with and at risk for HIV in terms of prevention and treatment approaches um, to help to end the epidemic in Alabama. Yeah, he does a great job. I, I love working with him. He's really one of my favorite people in this field. Uh, so, Buzz, before we get started, you know, the being the fact that you're an infectious disease doctor, you know, one of the things that makes this whole COVID-19 thing so dangerous and it's one of the things that kind of like i heard some people make some weird analogies between this and hiv but the only analogy that can truly be made is both of these diseases can exist in your body without you having symptoms and during those times you can still be contagious the difference between hiv and this virus is it takes a whole lot more close uh, contact with hiv than it does with uh with this whole COVID 19 thing so so when you talk about, so everybody's talking about an epidemiological curve. And, uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Muggs is, is Italian. He's an Italian-American. And uh, yesterday when I asked him about this, he was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Italy. So would you kind of bring us up to speed on what's going on in Italy right now and how we are on a crash course to do the same thing? Yeah, no, absolutely, Tony. And I think your point about the connections between our experiences with HIV and with COVID-19 are just such important things to say. And I think also for a lot of folks, um, it touches all of us the same way HIV touches all of us. Right. And sometimes it takes somebody until someone they know um, discloses that they're living with HIV or, you know, it, 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 folks don't oftentimes take it for real. Um but similar to that experience, we are all going to be touched by this. And I think the sooner we realize that, even if someone we know where we live hasn't had COVID-19 yet, the better off we're going to be. So I think I really couldn't agree more and draw on those connections. And a lot of times we're so focused on our personal experience, we don't realize we're all going to be touched. If we, you know, if we don't know it yet, um, it, it's coming here for sure. So in terms of Italy, and I will say, you know, Italy had a, a more... Um, drastic response sooner than we did in the United States. And by that, I mean, they did a national lockdown starting on March 9th. So, you know, almost two weeks ago, where folks are staying at home, a lot of the things that we're being encouraged to do across the United States 
some states like New York, um, California, now requiring folks to stay at home unless essential, but still voluntary for most of us. And the point about the curve, despite Italy being really aggressive on March 9th, they continue every single day to set a record in terms of the number of new diagnoses and the number of deaths. So in Italy, the new diagnoses is almost six or 7,000 every single day. And they had a record yesterday of 800 persons who died with um, COVID-19. So despite taking really aggressive measures, you know, almost two weeks ago, every single day they are still having, you know, records in terms of the number of new persons who are diagnosed and the persons who die, you know, they now have over 50,000 persons who have been diagnosed and 5,000 persons who have died. And I think that the thing that's most um, concerning is they're still going steep and straight up in terms of this idea of flatten the curve. What it means by the number of new cases being a record every day is that curve is going straight up towards the sky. They're not close to the peak. And I think that's what really has a lot of us in the field concerned is the healthcare system over there is already struggling to keep up with the number of persons um, that are getting this, you know, this new infection, yet the end is nowhere in sight. Let me, let me ask you this. So, so, you know, we were like, especially in, in, in Alabama and West Virginia, you know, we were touting the fact that we didn't have, we have no new case. We have no cases of COVID-19. So we realized that we didn't have any cases because we weren't doing testing, which again goes back to the similarities between this and HIV. And when people exactly. were like, I don't have it. No, you hadn't gotten tested, sir. You right. don't know what you got. So, yeah. so as it pertains to the testing that's going on in Italy, of what you know about it, have, would you say that they have ramped up to where they need to be to handle the cases, or they still got a place to go? Because if they still have a place to go, those numbers are still going to go up even higher. Yeah, I think you know Italy. I think has done a, a better job of testing than we have in the United States. Unfortunately, there's some really good articles, you know, that contrast really the United States and South Korea. Um, South Korea back in January, as a nation, when faced with what was happening in China, which is obviously closer to them geographically, they mobilized their industry and you know technology leaders and said, "This is coming. We need testing." Right. So, you know, they started manufacturing testing in a way that we didn't, um, and they had testing ready. And some of the the successes in South Korea are directly attributable to the leadership and vision and proactive getting tests in place. So how does that relate to Italy? Italy, I don't think, has had as much testing, certainly not as robust as South Korea. But one of the best examples, it's a really interesting case study of containment, is in a small town called Vo, V-O, Italy where well, some of the first cases were diagnosed and they did a massive, massive testing campaign. Um, and through testing, everybody found that a lot of people were asymptomatic. So to your point, they didn't have symptoms. They were infected. They could still be passing you know, the COVID-19 to others they came in contact with. But by aggressively testing and quarantining, they were able to, in this very small town, get this under control very quickly. Now, unfortunately, the experience in Bo is not the experience nationwide. I think like the United States, Italy did not have enough test kits or preparation, so they are still catching up in terms of testing. And I think for us in the United States, 
this is really, and you know this better than I do, Tony, you do this on a day-to-day basis. Testing is the front line. Yeah. Whether it's an HIV epidemic, whether it's a you know Corona, COVID pandemic, testing is the first line for any infectious diseases. You know whether it's an outbreak or something that's more chronic. So you know the failures in testing. And to Dr. Fauci, Tony Fauci, who's one of the leaders in this, at, you know at the NIH credit, he acknowledged that we really failed on the testing front. Right. And now we're, we're in damage control, and we're just kind of playing catch up. You know, I I know you know Dr. Fauci, and I met him a couple times. I just feel so sorry for him right now. Like, I don't even know how he's able to do what he's doing. But, you know, I'm yeah. glad that he's there. I'm really glad that he's there. No, me too, Tony. He's an amazing human being. I mm-hmm. mean, he's been at this for four decades. And, right. and, you know, he's been through a lot of administration. So he, you know, he got a lot of heat back in the day. I mean, when the Reagan administration did not have any response or acknowledgement of HIV when it hit our country in the early 80s, Dr. Fauci was in place. And a lot of the activists, ACT UP and others, you know, and to his credit, I think, you know, he was able to navigate a very difficult time and has become an incredible, he was at the time, but again, different administrations, different responses. In terms of us having a champion and an advocate who gets the science and is a compassionate public health person we could not be in better hands than to have him in the room with this administration yeah i, I totally agree I, he's definitely the adult in the room i want to i want to clarify one more question i'm gonna move on to something else i heard this morning so people there because you know because everybody now is an epidemiologist <laughs> epidemiological doctor uh, via yeah. facebook there were some people who were saying that if you weren't showing signs that you you were not infectious that is not the case from what what you just told me correct that is definitively not the case yeah. um you know there's folks who might not yet have you know be asymptomatic but have you know acquired the the coronavirus who are able to transmit and i don't know the exact numbers tony but there's been studies kind of even you know estimating what number of cases are attributable to those who are asymptomatically, you know, unintentionally um, spreading the um, corona. And, and similar to, you know, these are the same kind of things we've talked about in HIV for all these years um, and the importance of testing. But, you know, it's, it's a very similar story. I saw an article, I want to say it was in um, the Washington Post, but it was a, it was a, it was a, a quote uh, of statistics that I'm like, hey, that's just like HIV. They say like 90% of the people who are infected with uh, COVID-19 are infected by people who don't know they have it. It's the exact same stats when it comes to HIV. If you don't know you have it, then you you, you can't say you don't. And you're, there's a possibility that you that you pass that you're passing it on. And just like HIV, people who are infected with COVID-19 are not doing this intentionally. That's one of the biggest. Right. You know, that was, yeah. that was one of my biggest pet peeves when I hear people like, well, you know, they're passing that shit on. Intentionally. No, they don't know they have it because they're afraid to get tested. You know, it's it's, right. it's just crazy. But the other thing. Yeah, no. I, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. No, no. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think some of the best advice that I've seen is, you know, because we don't know, I mean, the best thing, and it's hard, but the best thing is for all of us to make behaviors and make decisions as if we 
have COVID nineteen and just don't have symptoms yet. You know, we tell people you know, that that's HIV the too. Way to do it. <laughs> we tell yeah. people <laughs> HIV. And, if you, and, and the sad part about it is, we're seeing being played out in these streets right now. If they're not doing it with something as intimate as sex, they're not doing it when it comes to going to public either. So that's just you know, absolutely are keeping six feet. And right. yeah, no, yeah, I, that's no. right. Yeah. So, so one of the uh, one of the stats I heard this morning, I, I did a, a post the other day, and it was when. Italy had about 34, they had just surpassed China. China had 3,200 cases at this point, and Italy had beat them, and they were at 3,405 or something like that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a math nerd, and what I hate is that when people use, like, like raw numbers like that instead of giving people what they look like proportionally, it's because the, per, the average yeah. person would say, well, you know, Italy only has, like, 200 more cases than China. But the problem with that is that China has 22 times the population of Italy. Italy's sure. population is about 60 million. You got 1.3 billion people in China. You know, they're not, right. that 3,200 is not even a drop in the bucket when you talk about their um, their infection their, uh, their, their infection rate. But also, if you look at if Italy had done what China done, had done at that point, Instead of having 3,400, they would only have 174 cases. Conversely, if they continue on the rate that they're going, and this is a real scary number when I looked at it, but if 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 Italy was if, if Italy had not done anything, they could have been at like 74,000 cases already. You know, we're talking about deaths. So there was a, yeah. a, a stat this morning that said anywhere from. 80 on the low end to 150 million people in the United States will contract COVID-19. 150 million people is a little less than half of the people here. So if you're listening to this yeah. and you're in a room with two people, look around. If it ain't you, it's going to be them. So, you yeah. know, and even even at 150 million people, even at a 1% mortality rate, that's still 1.5 million people who are going to die. Right. 1.5 million and people we we really need to, to 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 take this seriously and I just don't think the people are doing it. So like what what do we do, what do we do with numbers like that because it doesn't 1% doesn't sound bad until you put it to 150 million and then it's like oh wow this is this is bad. Yeah. No, Tony, I'm with you 100% and I think you said so many things, you know, and I think the idea about rates, you know, absolute numbers versus rates per population, like those are important things. I think for people like me and you who are in this space and think about these epi numbers, but I think for, for most folks that aren't necessarily thinking about it, it's important to have the context. I think your point about population in China versus population in Italy, but the idea of for most folks, I think the most important message is what you said at the end about, um, you know, if the estimates are that anywhere from, you know, 40% to 60% of Americans will contract this virus, um, you know, the great news is the mortality rate is low. The yeah. estimate is 1% to 3%. So, I mean, I think one, one word of kind of, okay, we should all, you know, don't freak out. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people who get this virus won't die, which is good news. But that isn't good news, meaning... I don't have to do anything. Right. One to 3% will die. That's a lot. And when you take that to scale and you say if 150 million Americans, I mean, we're talking about millions of people dying. You know, the leading cause of death is heart disease in this country. Right. Kills 680,000 people. So you're telling me you're going to have potentially two or three times more deaths 
from this virus than we have from heart disease every year, than we have from cancer every year. I mean, if that doesn't get people's attention, again, I don't want folks to be scared. If they get it, you know, the most likely thing is you're not going to die, but a lot of people are. And it might not be you, but it might be your cousin, your grandma, your, your friend who's got, you know, COPD or asthma who's at higher risk. So, you know, this is one of those times where it's not about you or me, Tony. It's really about all of us, right? Yeah. And doing things that's not just about ourselves, but is about um, our family, our friends, our loved ones, and our neighbors, and it's everybody. So one more, one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go. We're running up on 15 minutes. But um, but I, again, I, I, I'm a news junkie, Muggs. Like, I listen to the news all the time, and I listen to it not because I'm afraid, but I just want to be in the know. So I've been hearing some reports that there have been, like, when you look at flu deaths or deaths that were were uh, seen to be the cause of flu-like symptoms, but they did the testing and people didn't have the flu, there are people now who are thinking that those may be early COVID-19 cases, uh, cases from, like, maybe anywhere from October to December. So, and you're gonna have to bear with me on this because this may take a little meandering. Yeah. But yeah, okay, yeah. so, 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 if it's been in the public since then, and you know, being as contagious as it is, then of course there may be more than fifty percent of the population who have it. But with that being said, if people have been getting it, you know, one thing that Trump said, and he didn't understand the correlation. You know, people don't understand the correlation is not necessarily the causation. So, like when he was yeah. like, you know, April's gonna come, it's gonna get. Um, warmer and the virus will just go away. Well, that's not why the virus goes away. It goes away because when people have had flu all through the the winter, we kind of develop like a herd immunity. And so the herd immunity, not the fact that we're in April, is what, you know, kind of like stems the virus a little bit. Have you done any thought about, you know, what if, you know, people have had it since, you know, November, December, and there may be some herd immunity because we've only been able to test for the virus. There are no antibody tests right now. So we don't know if someone has had it and recovered or or what that looks like. I mean, if we knew those numbers, which we don't, I think it would it would either make us feel worse or a lot better about this. <laughs> so what, yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah, no, it's really smart and really thoughtful. I, I think the reality is, um, because none of us have ever been exposed to this specific strain of the coronavirus and there's no existing vaccine. So contrast that with flu, right? Right. I mean, the flu changes from year to year. We get a new shot every year because the proteins on the outside change a bit, but we've, we've accumulated immunity. I mean, there's already a decent bit of herd immunity. Plus we get the vaccine, you know, whereas for this, nobody in the world has immunity. I mean, this is the first time anyone has seen this. So I think the idea of herd immunity is important, but I think my take is we're not even close. You know what I mean? You know, globally now, 300,000 people estimated, uh, and there's surely way more than that, way more than that. You know, until we have antibody tests, we just won't know, to your point. We just don't have any clue of the true denominator of who's been exposed. But even if we said it was 10 times that, it is still a drop in the bucket, you know, to the global population. So I think we are just a long way off from having any benefits from herd immunity. Um, You know, and I think the projections, you know, some mathematical modeling, you know, it's going to be a lot of months 
until this curve hits its peak and that we can all do our part by staying home and only doing essential things because the more we do that and we spread it out and don't overwhelm the healthcare system, we can actually reduce the deaths, you know, that we're, that we're sure to experience. Um, but unfortunately, Tony, I think, you know, you're right. There's certainly folks who have been exposed to or an immune, but I think there's just way too few of those folks to have right. any real population impact in terms of protecting the rest of us. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But it would be nice if we had some. But, you know, that it is what it is at this point. So one one last question. For people with yeah. compromised immune systems, not just HIV, but maybe people who have lupus or any other autoimmune uh, ailments, what, what would you what would you tell them? And, and we'll close out. What, what would be your advice to them, to us? Yeah, you know, I think it's the, I think the number one is stay calm and and take care of yourself and take care of your primary condition. That that remains of most importance. Whether it's you know your HIV medicines, your lupus medicines, your COPD med, you know whatever it is. I think first and foremost, don't lose sight of taking care of yourself and your health. And that means both taking care of what you need to, to treat your chronic illness, but also your physical health, your mental health, your psychological health, your spiritual health. I mean, I think this is a time for all of us. It's easy to get, you know, freaked out about COVID-19. Let's not forget, we got to take care of ourselves, not just, you know, our chronic health condition, but our mental health and, and, you know, how we're handling this. So I think that's the number one thing. Beyond that, Tony, I don't think there's any specific advice. I mean, going back to HIV and where we started, it's kind of like a universal precaution. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, which is more in a healthcare system setting, but we all need to take care of ourselves in terms of social distancing and hand washing and essential only. Um, in terms of symptoms, I think the biggest symptom to be on the lookout for is shortness of breath. I mean, there's different flow diagrams that talk about different symptoms. It's hard because pollen's terrible now. Yeah. So people's allergies <laughs> kick up and, you know, and I'm coughing and is it my cough because of my allergies and fever, but is the fever because of the flu. So, you know, the three most common symptoms with the COVID-19 are fever and cough and shortness of breath. The shortness of breath is the one that's somewhat more unique, I would say. Not that flu can't cause that. Allergies typically don't. I mean, it might get your airways to react some, but I think the biggest symptom where I'd say, you know, you know, thinking about really needing to seek testing and medical attention, if you're feeling short of breath um, and, you know, having fever and cough, that's probably where I'd seek it out. Um, um, that's the most important thing. But, but going back to your question, I mean, I think the, the key is just, you know, take, take care of that primary health condition or health conditions. Um, as well as your physical, mental, psychological, spiritual health right now. That's the utmost priority. Yeah, I agree. And don't freak out. I, I told you that I had my little come apart. Don't freak out. <laughs> I had yeah. my, yeah, I had yeah, my yeah. come apart on Friday because, you know, in yeah. addition to being HIV positive, being a cancer survivor, I also have asthma and I have horrible allergies. And so, like, I went, so you out, have, yeah. I went outside on Friday. I'm like, oh, God, I can't breathe. I can't read. Oh my god! I think it got to COVID nineteen, and then I went through this whole, <laughs> like, like a YouTube hole of like what happens next, and I'm like, you know what? You are freaking yourself out. You need to calm down, buddy, and cool your jet. So, you yeah. know, thanks for the advice, man. Listen, um, you know, we we're doing physical distancing, so you know, I may ask you to do this again. I told you it wasn't gonna be that bad. <laughs> no, absolutely happy to do it, and appreciate all you're doing, and. Also, I think all of our, you know, shout out to all of our folks, frontline providers, not just at hospitals and clinics, 
but at community-based organizations and aid service organizations like AIDS Alabama, like Birmingham AIDS Outreach, um, y'all are reaching so many folks and their healthcare needs. So thanks for all you're doing. It's, it's a really important time for all of us that are in this space to look after one another and, you know, and, and stay strong. Thank you, man. Listen, okay, so we're going to go into our next break, and I'll be back. Do you have an active sex life? PrEP is a -a once-a-day pill that prevents HIV and is now available at the Livewell PrEP Clinic on the south side of the hub. PrEP is safe for men and women who have active sex lives and want to decrease their chances of contracting HIV. For more information about PrEP and the Livewell PrEP Clinic, call 205-324-9822 or go to www.gcpm.com and click on appointments. Or if you just need to get tested, call us. So, welcome back to this episode of Let Me Say This. Thank you guys for listening on whatever platform that you're listening on. And thank you for continuing to uh, social distance. Um, next, I have Dr. Dave Barnhart. He's my really good friend, my brother, my pastor. And we're going to talk about you know, how do we cope with this, you know, from a not necessarily mental, but like a mental standpoint, a religious mm-hmm. standpoint, and just social standpoint. So, Dave, to go into this, I was listening to a newscast the other day, and someone said that we should not call what we're doing social distancing, that we should call it physical mm-hmm. distancing, um, mm-hmm. mainly because, you know, we're social creatures. Like, that's how we live. That's how we thrive. And I was just yeah. wondering, like, what are some alternatives that we could do uh, in trying to stay connected while not putting each other at risk? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good observation because it really is. It really is about physical distancing, not not social. We have other ways to connect socially. You can connect online, uh, you know, the old-fashioned way by phone, um, or even, you know, frankly, I, I've seen photos of people going having social distancing parties. Well, so neighbors <laughs> go out on their lawn and you know they put their lawn chairs out, but they stay ten feet away from each other or something. You know, that's <laughs> that's great. I, you know, wh- how wonderful if it forces us to think a little bit more about, you know, time we spend with people and how important that is to our health. Yeah. Um, I, for, for so many reasons, I mean, this is, this is a terrible time and I, I wish we didn't have to go through it, but for, for so many reasons, I'm grateful for the lessons it's causing us to have to relearn, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to bring up one of those lessons I just experienced in the grocery store later. It'll, it'll be when we talk about religion, but yeah, it, it has yeah. made us really think about a lot of things that we do in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about, I saw one of my uh, fraternity brothers uh, today, well actually last night he said they were going to do some social distance hiking. So pretty much everybody made up this morning <laughs> at rough the mountain and stayed six feet away from each other and went hiking. Um, you know, yeah. uh, some people may say it's a little risky. I think it's fun. I, 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 I've been doing my own alternative to social distancing by going out with my drone and, like, just flying it over the city, kind of giving myself yeah. a way out by myself. And also people who may be watching, like, oh, that's what it looks like outside. Because a lot of people are going to sit in the house, eat ho-hos or bonbons, and become unhealthy, <laughs> which is not going to be good. Well, that's that's true. And although I have been – been, pleasantly surprised well not really surprised but i've seen so many people outside on these nice spring days that it it does my heart good to see uh other human beings out just enjoying creation you know yeah you know and the thing about that as long as it's not an airborne virus you know i think that we're okay with being outside especially if you're with your 
with your pod, as the as the primates call it. You know, if right. it's, it's a family like you, Leo, and and, and uh, Angela go out together. I mean, mm-hmm. if y'all got it, then y'all all got it anyway. So you're not at risk of spreading it to each other. But you know, uh, I, there yeah. was a little boy yesterday. I was at Railroad Park, and he. Um, I flew the drone. There's a, a crane like over on the the western edge of the park across the street, and I flew right. a drone over by the crane. And yeah, I got some really close pictures of it. But then when it came back to me, this little boy came over. And he was like, "Hey, is that your drone?" I was like, "Yeah." yeah. He goes, "Can you see yourself in it?" I was like, "Yeah." And on a normal day, I would have taken my phone over there and showed the little yeah. boy my phone. And I'm like. Little buddy, you know, I would normally let you see this, but I can't do it right now because we should be practicing social distancing because of the virus. And he yeah. just looked kind of crestfallen. I kind of felt bad, but, you know, I didn't want to give him anything if I had anything, and I'm right. not getting that from him. So, you know, it's one of those things where we can be outside with other people, but we still have to be mindful of the distancing thing because it's, it's really, Absolutely. really important. Absolutely, yeah. Um. So, So here's my other thing. So... Uh, last week, there are a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me how many people have not taken this really, really seriously. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'll admit I, I was worried, but I didn't realize how bad it was going to get. It never was a joke to me, but, you know, it was one of those things where, oh, this shit got really, really real. With this yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, last Sunday, I saw a lot of people who were like, you know, if your pastor have y'all not come to church, this faith ain't good, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and now we like, right. uh-huh, sis, what you got to say now, sister so-and-so? So, like, you right. know, I was glad that St. Junior, we actually met online Sunday. It was kind of clunky at first, but it kind of, you know, we, we, we did a little practice thing, and I think it kind of flowed. What what yeah. advice do you give the people who feel disconnected from their center, their worship centers, their 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 religious uh, support systems? Yeah, well, no, I think I so there's so many good options now online. Of course, you can, and, and it's actually a great opportunity for you to visit other churches without visiting them. Right, right. <laughs> so you know you can go and you can you can listen to other other theology. You can hear other the way uh, other pastors preach. Um, you know, in our situation, because we do house churches, um, you know, f- for us, church is more like a discussion. It's more of a community thing because I, I don't want our church to be pastor focused. I want it to be community focused. Right, right. right. Um, and I think um, so. I, I think one of the interesting things is watching other pastors who have have kind of grown accustomed for worship being a show, um, really kind of exploring a little bit more. What what can I do? online so rather than just uh talking like doing a monologue take taking the phone or the camera up into the chancel area and and giving people a tour like this is what i see every sunday and let me show you i mean because it's 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 a lot more intimate um you know the other kind of crazy thing is when you're when you're preaching in a large space you have to slow way down and and that's because you know no one can um they can't rewind you <laughs> <It's> something. <laughs> and if you go too fast, it's easy. I don't know, something, the larger space you're in, the slower you have to go to make sure everybody's on board. Right, right. And when you're doing, um, when you're doing something that's more like online or radio or video, you can go a lot faster. Right. So uh, it, it winds up, I think in many ways being more, more conversational and um, yeah, just, 
I, I think it's a great opportunity for people to explore. And, and um, you know, so what we do is we, since we are more discussion oriented, people can contribute questions or they can offer their own input. Of course, we do that every Sunday. But right, it, that's no different think, for us. We're just doing it online now. Right, right, right. Um, and I think, you know, especially, uh, so as much as I, I like listening to great sermons, you know, I think for a lot of us, the need is for social contact. So I think the more we can have it be interactive, conversational, um, you know, get get with some people online and just do a Bible study with three or four of you, or you know, if that's your thing, or if Bible study isn't your thing, prayer and just support, talk to each other and uh, and be there for each other. Because that's, to me, that's far, far more Christian or far more <laughs> spiritual than performance you know right right anyway unfortunately we do have a lot of churches where when their pastors go online that's exactly what they're going to do the same performance that they do in church and i think this is a great time for people to kind of like explore different ways of how do you interact with people how do you interact with your parishioners in particular and yeah it really it, i think it would give them an opportunity to, to to get to know them a little bit better absolutely well i also think so 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 many pastors think about well this is a competition <laughs> like, um, you know, so, so we're trying to get people in on Sunday mornings or whatever. And so, so preaching the main event the, or, or the music has to be a show. Right, but, you right. know, if I'm sitting at home, if I'm at home, I can watch a TED talk and that's going to be more interesting than most sermons. Just honestly. <laughs> and if I, if I want good music, you know, I can, there's so many other things I can choose. And, you know, and as much as I love Aunt Mabel singing her solo <laughs> in, in church, you know, I can listen to a lot of stuff that's quality wise much higher even if it's you know not as heartwarming because it's aunt mabel or whatever <laughs> you know when when uh Shaka khan did that national anthem at the nba game oh yeah people were talking about i can't believe she did that but that if you know Shaka khan that's that that yeah. that anthem was was like like prototypical Shaka khan one yes. of my friends that posted this meme like y'all talking about Shaka Khan at the NBA singing at National Anthem. Y'all ain't saying that about your auntie and Amazing Grace. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So look, uh, so but, look. Yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, sorry, I'm, I'm done. I was, yeah, I'm good. Now, so there are two other things I want to talk about. One is still in the in the religious realm, and then I want to briefly talk about the political response to this. But um. So I just left Walmart, you know, I sanitized my mm-hmm. hands before I went in and grabbed those nasty baskets and went through. Good for you. I, you know, and this is this is going to be hard for some people to listen to, but for us to be in the damn buckle of the Bible Belt, we are not very Christian acting at all. There is no. absolutely <laughs> no freaking reason for every roll of toilet tissue and, um, and, and, to- and paper towels to be gone. Like, yeah. there's absolutely no reason for it. And, you know, and we mm-hmm. talked about this during our discussion in church on Sunday about the the feeding of the 5,000. So for those of you who are not members of our church, which is probably everybody, I did a sermon on <laughs> my take of the feeding of the 5,000 because I think people want Jesus to be like smoking mirrors and bam, there you go some bread, bam, there you go some fish. And I just, I don't believe that. I mean, it could have happened, who knows, but... I think that the lesson in the feeding of the 5,000 was more of people sharing the provisions they have brought. So, like, and there, there are a couple of things that, that stuck out to me in this particular passage. So, like, 
when and Dave, you explained this to me about when people traveled back then, they would also take enough rations because I mean, you can stop by the McDonald's in ancient Egypt or Jerusalem. Right. So, you know, if you're gonna travel and follow this man who's preaching, you're gonna make sure you got enough stuff. Unless you want to think that the people back then were stupid, because I think that's the premise that we have to work under in order for the magical fish and bread to work. That these people mm-hmm. were stupid and they just decided to follow this man, which doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, when you're around a bunch of people and you think that things are rationed, you're not going to bring out your stuff, which is what I think about when I look at the empty shelves of the paper towels and the toilet tissue and in the right. in the stores that, you know, these people have gotten so afraid that we want to make sure we have enough, just enough for me and my family and screw you and yours because they don't really matter. So, yeah. so thinking about this in the context of the feeding of the 5,000, you got these 5,000 people there. I'll probably have food, but you know what? I'm not going to show you my food because y'all might take my stuff, and I ain't down with that. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus mm-hmm. borrowed the, the the lunch from the from the from the boy, then he there was a mass chaos. So people were like, oh well, maybe I can bring my stuff out. Y'all, mm-hmm. we are not going to have mass chaos if you leave a few pieces of toilet tissue and paper towels in doggone <laughs> Walmart. Like it makes right. absolutely no sense. And for us to be such, a, 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 and again, this is red state Jesus because I just don't believe the blue state Jesus is this freaking evil. But like for you to go into the to the grocery store and just load up your cart with toilet paper, knowing that there are other people going to be, you are not thinking in godly terms. You're not thinking in Christian terms. No. You're thinking in solely, solely, like me, 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 selfish terms. And it just really bothers me because right after that, some of those same people, if you're listening to this and you want the people who ring your butt up in church every Sunday talking about how much you love the Lord and you ain't left no television for somebody else, if there's a hell, you going to it. You are going to bust the doors <laughs> wide open. Well, it, you know, it, it's interesting because I've been doing this devotional on the Sermon on the Mount, and that's the famous passage where he says, um, and he, he's talking about, food and clothing right. and he says you know consider the lilies consider the birds and then he says uh who uh, who among you by worrying can add one hour to your life or you know you're worrying about tomorrow today's trouble is enough for today in other words you know we even pray give us today our daily, daily bread, bread. So yeah give us the provision for today and i know you think you're going to be in quarantine for a long time or whatever and that's i, I understand that but you because if, if everyone would leave paper, it would be fine. It's like a run on the bank, right? right? It's like, oh, I got to go get mine because it might not be there. Um, and actually, I just I just wrote a song about a, about how much I love my bidet because I don't have to worry about uh, running out of toilet paper. So I'll sh- I'll share that with you. I, you know, I'm just like, look, we got people. We got corn cobs. You got a if you're in the bathroom, there's a bathtub right there. Right. You're right. not, you know. Especially it's, for the uh, tissue, like like the paper towels. Yeah. I may get, no, I'm not even gonna give you a pass on paper towels because you have towels in your house in which you can wash. You are yeah. literally making the earth a worse place at this point by buying all this yeah, paper yeah. that when you could be using something that's sustainable, like the towels that are already in your house. And like you said, if you just got the toilet, if you don't have a bidet like my pastor does, get in the shower and wipe your <laughs> ass. Like it's just not that right. hard. We're not we're making this too doggone hard. And the other thing oh, that bothers gosh. me is if I see another person person with the damn um those those surgical masks walking around in public right now the people who are working who are working in the health industry they they don't have any 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 masks but you're walking around here in something that's pretty much ineffective in the first place for the average person going into damn walmart 
But they're walking around with all these masks looking smug as hell. Like, I see them, and I want to just hit them in the back of the head. When the people who are working in the health industry don't have enough provisions to make sure that they don't catch the coronavirus while they're helping your elderly grandma. Like, that, those are the things that make me go, like, how in the hell do these people think that they're Christian? How do they think that, they're, that they are the chosen people of God when you sit around literally and treat your neighbors like crap? No, I, I hear that. Uh, uh, with people walking around with masks, I do. Ha- I always have to check myself because someone could be immunocompromised, and you don't. You don't know who they are. I'm but immunocompromised. I, I know. I know. I know. But yeah, yeah. But you're reasonable. So um, yeah, that too. But but yeah, I mean, a lot of it is it's just germophobia is is part of it because um, and and even when there's not a pandemic, people are are too afraid of germs. Right. You know, honestly, right. I'm not going to tell people not to wash their hands, but like. 99 times out of 100, you're okay. Right. Walk it because your immune system can handle most things that the world throws at it. And this is unique. This is a unique situation. But, you know, I, but people, people's germ phobia is crazy and it's completely irrational. Like, well, you know, I, the, so I, I'll, I, I can't say anything about that. You know, I don't do buffets for that reason. Like, I do not right. do buffets and this yeah, is not going to happen. Yeah, you can, you can, you can wash your hands so well and you come out and you grab the tongs. Right, <laughs> and the person who okay. went before you didn't wash their hands, so there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> so, are you? Are you? Are you? you this bodet bodet song that you? Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, I, if you feel like it, we can end it with a bodet song. But uh, well, no, I, I, I haven't posted it yet, so I'm gonna post it in about. 20 minutes. So I'll, oh, it'll I'll still, it, to you. it is, okay, yeah, I, I I think I can just record it from my phone and then add it to here. So, y'all, at the end yeah. of this, you'll hear the bidet song. But listen, so so this response, like, and this is for your evangelical friends, like, mm-hmm. they are still listening to this lying piece of crap in the White House. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. Like, this is the person who said this was all a hoax. And now he's saying, well, I knew it was going to be bad. What What do we believe? Like what? What? Like, I don't understand. And this goes back to the conversation we had about the Bernie Buzz people. Like, I don't. I'm sorry that your candidate did not win, but at this point, we have one mission. We got one thing to do. You got one job, and that's to get this man out of office. And we can't get it out. Of, we can't get him out of office with these people acting like children. Yeah. Well. So I, I don't know if you've read the scripture that we're supposed to read tomorrow for, for Sunday. It's, uh, the Exodus passage is actually in the plagues. And there's this thing where Mo- Moses shows up to Pharaoh and says to Pharaoh, um, you're, God's about to send hail. And if you're smart, you'll get your people inside. And some of the officials listen and they bring their people inside and some of them don't. And when the hail comes, you know, the, there's the stupid and the wise. The wise listen and they, they take precautions. <laughs> the stupid don't. Right. And, and, uh, and people die because of it. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't pick this scripture for this Sunday. It just happens to be in Right. Because the way, the, uh, yeah, that's how, that's just how it happens. That's interesting that that fell like that though. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a great example. I mean, you're, we're talking something that's what, 3,000 years old, more yeah. than 3,000 years old. And there's a story about, you got these officials, these incompetent people who are so narcissistic mm-hmm. and are, are more in, more about their own pride than they are about um, uh, about listening to warnings or listening to experts. Um, so <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a new problem, it is but it's one that it's one that we should have wised up to by now. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah. 
It's classic, 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 classic. Well, look, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking your time to talk to us today. Um, I think we'll be able to do a yeah. lot more of these because we got so much freaking time on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you very much. Thanks, thanks uh, for having me on. Anytime, anytime. Um, and so at the end of this, you'll hear the uh, Bodet song because he'll be posted on on on. Uh, on, on Facebook you, by then. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> YouTube, yeah. So I can download it yeah. from there. But listen, man, yeah. thank you again. Thank y'all for listening to uh, Saying Credit Every Day. We're going to listen to the Bidet song and then we'll take you out with our music. So um, thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've been isolating since the shit show all began. Watching leaders fail us when the crap all hit the fan. People bought in panic and they emptied many shelves Hoarding toilet paper and embarrassing themselves But we're in this together, so I'm giving you this song And I will share a secret that will help us get along Your anus will feel better, so fresh and clean and nice So friends, I hope you'll listen to a neighbor's good advice I love my bidet, I use it every day I don't use so much paper so there's less to flush away It keeps me so clean, I'm just not worrying That we'll run out of paper while we're stuck in quarantine Now paper is so scratchy, it leaves behind a mess And when you are converted, it's hard to accept less you may think it's snooty, or simply for the rich But tribe and class don't matter when your butt begins to itch Now I know what you're thinking, but days are not my type And I can get along with simply using baby wipes But those are made of plastic, they clog the sewers too They're ruining our planet while they're clogging up the loo love my bidet, I use it every day. Take care of your butthole if you're straight or if you're gay. I know it's taboo to speak frankly of poo, but public health's important and it's up to me and you. Well, poop can be so sticky, just like bicycle grease, but maybe dry and itchy if it gets between your crease. Sometimes your stool is runny because of something that you ate. And soggy paper tears and that's a feeling we all hate. Sometimes your fecal matter even gets upon your hands. So I hope that you are washing them as protocol demands. And if you're cursed with hemorrhoids, please know I feel your pain. Just soak them in hot water and your heart will sing again. I love my bidet, I use it every day. The first one was invented by the family des Rosiers. It's from France, of course, it means a kind of horse. A jet of water cleans your butt with simple water force. For Jews who are observant, there is a simple prayer of gratitude for holes that function up here and down there. If you're not religious, please trust me when I say A spiritual experience can be had on your bidet Our cash flow is a trickle, 
I'm watching every dime. But calculate how much you spend on TP over time. A bidet is not expensive to wash away your slime. They're 30 bucks plus labor if you order it on Prime. Oh, I love my bidet. I use it every day. It's like a tiny shower for your ass, that's what they say. It keeps me so clean that I'm not worrying that we'll run out of paper while we're stuck in quarantine.